0: So look, basically I consider myself a highly functioning drinker, stroke pisshead, stroke alcoholic, pick your choice of words. Booze bag? Uh yeah, yeah, definitely a booze bag. Whatever you want, Vic, throw it at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take them all. Hen? <laughs> yeah, hen, definitely. Yeah, happy hen. Booze hen. <laughs> Um, Hangover hen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For a long time, I was able to manage my life around my all-encompassing drinking habit and kind of pass myself off as a reasonably successful human being, kind of, anyway. Uh, Yes, there was the odd casualty along the way for both Vic and I, uh, a lost finger here, a lost job there, but nothing that we couldn't laugh off. Um, And I would add it to my repertoire of drunken misdemeanours, that made me, well, so entertaining and fun to be with. Um, And it wasn't until a long time later when things got so bad that I finally admitted to myself that actually my life wasn't functioning properly and that maybe, just maybe, it was to do with my drinking. That's
1: right, Lucy. Until we decided on this topic of the dangers of highly functioning, I'd never really labelled myself as a highly functional drinker. I wore my fuck like a badge of honour. Being the world's best pisshead west of the M4 Heston motorway services (laughs) was how I represented myself. And I didn't feel like I was hiding anything. I was cleverly socially destroying myself, which kind of made my drinking acceptable. But when I looked deeper into this topic and actually called Lucy about it, I found out that perhaps my public form of self-destruction... And I could hide my drinking within my friendship circles or within my family and pretend that everything was hunky-dory. It wasn't until I stopped drinking and looked back that I saw with clarity that my behaviour was in fact that of a highly functional drinker. I mean, I'm
0: alive. So that's a sign I got away with it. (laughs) Yes, you are. Alive and kicking and loving your professional sports. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, it does take sobriety to be able to see that the whole highly functioning thing is seriously fucked. And there are so many levels to it. Um, Just like with the alcohol spectrum and people use it as a way of not admitting that they've got an issue.
1: Yeah, being highly functioning does not mean you are successfully burning a candle at both ends. What it means is that you've become highly skilled at masking your drinking problem to yourself, your family, your friends and the world in general. Just because you got your arse out of bed at 6am for a morning jog after two bottles of wine and four hours sleep doesn't necessarily mean you're winning. It could just mean you're getting better at ignoring the signs that you're drinking
0: too much. The longer it goes on the harder it is to make a U-turn. Yeah, it really is. And in this episode, we'll talk about what highly functioning means and the kind of things we did which we thought proved that we had our drinking under control. You might recognise many in your own behaviours. And we'll go into more detail about why being a highly functioning, heavy drinker is more dangerous than adding a big slug of washing up liquid to the water on a slippery slide. It'll make you go down faster and land with a bigger bump.
1: Yes, usually an embarrassing bump too, (laughs) With a big
0: bruise on your bottom. Yes.
1: We'll also talk about what next if you're a highly functioning drinker because we recognise that it's a habit which is extremely hard to break. The very nature of highly functioning means it's woven into your world and plays a large part in how you get through each week, day or even hour of your life. So how do you break the habit without everything falling apart?
0: Stick with us while we explain. Yeah, Vic, I just want to go back to the bit that you said when we just read out that introduction, which was about how it took... Um, you didn't realise that you were highly functioning for, for, for many years and actually we had a phone call didn't we Yeah. Um. and when you first phoned me up you said I don't think I was a highly functioning drinker and then we sort of had a chat about it and by the end of the phone call you were like oh my god I was yeah it's taken me until like yeah. this week to understand highly functional drinking because it was
1: so part of me I didn't even know I was doing it I mean how crazy is that
0: yeah, because you were saying, well, I don't, I never really hid my drinking. I was always out there letting everybody know I was a big drinker. You know, I was almost proud of that. Yeah, And you didn't feel that you were really functioning. But then I sort of pointed out to you, didn't I, that, hey, didn't you travel the world? And you had bars, you had businesses, you got up in the morning and did markets, you were getting planes everywhere. Like, you've got to be highly functioning to be able to do all of those things. Yeah, and that's why it was clever. Like, we're just going to share now, like our clever ways we thought, you know,
1: the clever ways we hid the fact that we were drinking so much Mm. with our friends and family. Owning bars, Lucy, was the you know, perfect place to be a highly functioning drinker. I didn't realise that until our conversation. (laughs) But of course, you know, me being behind the bar almost gave me a sort of superpower because it made me look like I was the one in control because I was the one serving the drinks. But of course I was drinking just as much as anybody in there. Um, I'll tell you very briefly, I you know, my bar history is I had a, a bar in Thailand, I had a, you know, a Rasta boyfriend and lived on this beautiful island and we found a washed up squid boat which we turned into a beach bar. And, God, you know, it, it was like, a like reggae paradise. Bar. It was, it was absolute paradise. It got washed away in the tsunami that bar, oh, unfortunately. but incredibly sad. When I did the bar work, I loved it but also everyone was always more drunk than me because they were coming and going. Mm. They yes. were nomads that were coming there for a night, getting as pissed as they could and leaving. So I I always kind of kept my cool a bit I joined in the party but I always had to pack up the bar at the end of the night fill up the icebox do all those jobs and I always managed to do those because it looked like then I wasn't as bad as everybody else that was coming in it was my cover and I was doing that every night and if there weren't people in the bar, then that was the night that I really got stuck in because I guess I didn't have anyone to, to point me out and say, look, you've got a drink problem. But I didn't realise yeah, until this week that actually I was
0: using my environments that I was in to hide the fact that I was a highly functioning alcoholic. Yes, I'm working and I'm drinking. But because I'm working, it's OK to be drinking as much as I am. Yeah. And I really wanted to point that out because I think it's important for our listeners to know with this podcast, we're not here all righteous telling people "Look, we're so and we've got all the answers, and we're going to share them with you. This podcast is really just our thoughts as they come to us um, and our conversations. The difference is with us is we've decided to record some of them. You know, we are coming to revelations about our own drinking. You know, all Each the time. Recording, yeah, yeah. And when we when we talk about these topics and we prepare for them, we learn more about ourselves. So yeah. we're on the journey with our listeners. Um, learning about ourselves and recognising patterns and problems and reasons um, and all those things help you to stay sober and they're helping us as well as people who listen.
1: Yeah, and the fact was, Lucy, throughout my travelling days, like we talked about, like understanding now, now that we're having this conversation you know, I kept my head just above water, just enough. You know, I booked the next plane ticket yes. out of there. I turned up for flights. I held down jobs when I needed to. I didn't always hold down jobs because I was hung over and pulled loads of sickies and got fired. I mean, that stuff did happen as mm. well. But I managed to keep my nose just above the water level enough for no one to notice. And that is pretty much the, you know, that is highly That's functioning. classic drinking, highly functioning,
0: it? yeah.
1: I used to work as an estate agent in London for a bit. And I used to go in, you know, with terrible hangovers and be running backwards and forwards to the toilet. But I would still go and do viewings and like kind of be burping under my breath or like yes. retching in a
0: drain outside and then <laughs> carrying on. Yeah. And yeah. We I laugh just, but yeah, I, I mean managed. I recognise that in my own behaviour. Yeah,
1: and then I used to get in my car, I had a company car, I was only like 22 or something, I used to put the seat down and hide and have sleeps and have pretend
0: Yeah, put, put a few fake viewings in the calendar. Yeah, They were <laughs> in the days weren't they where you actually could sleep with a hangover instead of having massive anxiety <laughs> yes, and yes. not being able to sleep when you're older.
1: Yeah, so basically I was highly functional enough which meant I just just about had enough money just about survived Um, Mm. it wasn't until my kids were born um, and my wild weekends kicked in because I couldn't drink during the week um, that I had a consequence to my drinking and that's when my highly functioning really kicked in and I I recognise that now after our conversations Lucy that yeah when I became a mum I was a highly functional drinker but now I realise also in my past I have have had that behaviour yeah If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support.
2: Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one.
1: Yeah, just head to www.cupa.community.
2: Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support.
1: Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. Do they
2: have to share it with their
1: mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, It's Bloody hell. I have do they share it?